Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who is descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. As per usual, I'll set the timer going. We've been uh, looking through Ephesians as a Monsal team, uh, and this was the passage that leapt out to me when thinking about church membership and what being a member of a church. We're not going to pull this bit apart. We're going to um, uh, use this as a springboard to see a few things, hopefully, about church membership, because that's what we're thinking about this morning. And one of the challenges about thinking about church membership in a world today is that the way we think about membership of something is not necessarily what the Bible thinks of when it talks about church membership. So we're all members of all different sorts of clubs and organizations and gyms. I have an Amazon Prime membership. Also, uh, I'm a member of the Dennis the Menace fan club. I've been a member of the Dennis the Menace fan club for 30 years. Signed up when I was about seven or eight. My mum or dad paid whatever it was at the time. I got my badges and I got my little induction booklet. Um, and we have a special greeting. So if any other members of the Dennis and Menace fan club are in, <coughs> ding. Oh, I heard some responses. Excellent. <laughs> that makes me very happy. If you're sat there thinking, what on earth are these people talking about? Come and speak to one of us afterwards. Um, those dongers, you were a bit quiet, almost a little bit ashamed. Uh, never mind. But anyway, as, as, as we start, I wonder what you think and feel currently about church membership. It's really hard to think what other people might be thinking, so I've written down and thought of a few ranges of feelings and thoughts we might have about church membership here today. So maybe you've never really thought about church membership before. Maybe it's not been on your radar. Maybe you come from a church tradition where it just wasn't a thing. And so it's a new idea to you. If people here talk about church membership, maybe you're going, well, I don't know what that's about. Maybe there's some people here who think, well, I'm a bit too young for this. This isn't relevant for me. It's like voting or driving, something I'll deal with in the future, but not for me right now to think about. Or maybe you have thought about it, and you come to the conclusion that it's basically a pointless administrative addition. It's not a term the Bible uses, though more of that in a bit, so it's not something you've ever really thought was important to think about, because it's just the church adding more weight to something it doesn't need to, and all it means is more emails, more meetings, more, more, more responsibility. You don't need to be a member of a local church, especially not to serve in them, so why would you add an unnecessary hassle and responsibility to your life? Maybe, though, you've been a member somewhere before, or you've seen membership somewhere before that's been used really, really badly, really unkindly, perhaps even abusively. And maybe the damage done by the way somewhere you know has carried out church membership has left you rightly wary of it. Or perhaps you are somebody here who is a member of a church, maybe here at Avenue or elsewhere if you're visiting, but you're not really sure why. You did it because your church asked you about it and felt like you felt like they wanted you to do it, so you did it, but you don't really know what it's all about. Or perhaps you remember just a church just like you remember of a gym or a sports club or even Amazon Prime. You pay your fees, you get your rewards. You're able to go and do some stuff and there are perks to it like Amazon Prime. But it's not life-changing. It's just a thing you have. Or it's possible that you're somebody who loves church membership and you love that you're a member. And if you were to leave whatever church you're a member of now, you would quickly member with another church as soon as you could. Perhaps you feel like membership could be a bigger thing in whatever church you're currently a part of. Well, wherever you are on that spectrum, I need to be very clear at the start that I'm not gonna say everything I'd love to think about and say about church membership. 
I've thought about it a lot with the planting a church hat on that I've got. So um, my hope is not that I can tell you everything there is to know about membership this morning, but that we leave here with a greater love and a clearer understanding for church membership here at Avenue and perhaps loving the idea of church membership a little bit more. Because yes, while the Bible never explicitly talks about church membership using those specific words, church membership is all the way through the New Testament in one form or another. So in the same way that the Bible, the Bible never uses the word Trinity, but the idea of the Trinity is all the way through the Bible. The Bible never uses the term church membership, but the idea of it is all the way through the New Testament. So in Acts, for example, it talks about new believers being added to their number daily. Clearly, there's some record keeping going on. So much so that when it all kicks off and Saul starts killing Christians, he's able to get a list of where Christians live and go house to house, dragging them off to prison. That's in Acts 8, verse 3. In Acts 12, verse 1, it says that Herod attacked those who belonged to the church. They knew who it was who belonged to the church. They could name the other disciples. Now, did they keep all these names on an Excel spreadsheet? I don't know. Probably not but they knew who each other were. And so we're going to see this morning three reasons why we here at Avenue think that church membership is important and how it provides clarity for us as Christians to live out our Christian lives obeying Jesus properly. And so the first reason that we think church membership is important is because of what the church is. Church membership is important because of what the church is. So in that passage we just read, Ephesians 4, Paul describes the church very clearly as the body of Christ. Christ is the head, the church is the body. But this isn't the only metaphor that Paul uses to describe the church. In fact, just in Ephesians, he describes it as a holy people, as sons of God, as God's handiwork, God's household, a building and a holy temple, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, heirs with Israel, dearly loved children, children of light, a bride with Christ as their bridegroom, and a soldier. And that's just in the book of Ephesians. In fact, there are over 90 different metaphors in the New Testament to describe the church. Sorry, 90 different metaphors in the Bible to describe the collection of God's people, the church. 90. Stuff like a holy nation, a flock, a people, a vine, a pillar and a buttress of truth, a lady and her children, and so on. Now, in one sense, these are all descriptions of the church worldwide, universal, all Christians throughout all time and in all places. And while that is true... The New Testament is written to specific churches in specific places at specific times. Local representations of that all time and everywhere church. Paul, Peter, John, James, etc., they all write to specific local churches in a geographical place. Even Jesus, at the start of Revelation, sends letters to seven local churches. So, yes, in the New Testament, the all time, all places church is definitely in play. But most of the New Testament is writing to specific local representations of that global all-time church, local embassies of that global church. And so thinking about that, it is impossible for my toe to be a part of my body without some form of connection. For my toe to be my toe, it has to remain connected to me, right? Otherwise, it's 
just detached and dying. Or if a brick in a temple isn't actually connected to the other bricks, but it's just sat in a hole slightly bigger than it, then it isn't tied somehow to the rest of that building, well, it isn't really part of that building. Or if part of a vine isn't connected somehow to the rest of the vine, I'm no gardener, but that's going to die. You don't know which vine that's from. And if the church is a dwelling that God lives in by his spirit and we're not connected to that local dwelling, then how do we know we're a part of it? See, there's some kind of implied formal connection in all of the metaphors the New Testament uses for what the local church is. So for the local church to actually be the church locally, there needs to be some kind of formal connection and identification of who's part of it and who isn't. That's what the early church just seemed to do. In fact, there is only one record of a, in the New Testament of a post-Jesus Christian who wasn't connected to a local church. Only one record of a Christian post-Jesus in the New Testament who wasn't connected to the local church, and that's the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. And to be fair to him, he is in the middle of a desert. And, tradition tells us, when he went back to Ethiopia, he started a local church. Membership is vitally important for the local church to be who the New Testament says the local church is. It helps us clarify, and it is important because of who the church is. But it's also more practical and day-to-day. Perhaps that's not convincing, but actually I believe, and we believe at Avenue, that church membership is important as well because of what the church is called to do. That's our second heading, what the church is called to do. That's why church membership is important. So as we've seen, loads of the New Testament is letters written to local churches, and in those letters, churches are given shed loads of commands. I read somewhere that there are 10,000, sorry, 1,050 New Testament commands, and a whole lot of those are given to local churches. But that raises a challenge for us as we read them. So part of the challenge is the fact that we're reading these things in English. Um, I don't know whether it'd be the same in Welsh, but uh, in English, it raises a challenge. So for example, Ephesians 4 verse 1, we just read it. I think this might have died. Oh, there it is, right. So this is Ephesians 4 verse 1. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now it's easy to read that and think of that as a command for me to live out a life that reflects the salvation that I have. And then that means, okay, so how do I fight sin? How do I present the gospel? How do I live holiness? But in almost all of the languages in the world, that you, in in this verse, wouldn't be heard as me. It would be heard as we. Jamie rants about this all the time. My wife's a linguist, if you don't know. She's a French teacher. She says in French it would be clearer. Because in French, she has a word for you singular, tu, and you plural, vous. However, I'm rubbish with languages, so I find it easier to think like I'm American. And think of the word y'all. Y'all helps us understand a lot of the New Testament commands a little bit better. Y'all helps us understand a lot of the New Testament commands, and this verse in particular changes a little bit of its focus of understanding when you read it like that. So here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge y'all to live a life worthy of the calling y'all have received. So this now isn't a command for me to go away and make sure that my individual life reflects my salvation, 
but a command for us as a local church to think about how all of us in community and our unity together can display the salvation and the unity that Christ has won for us all together. And to do that locally, membership helps clarify who we are primarily to work alongside to live these worthy lives out with. Or in Hebrews 3 verse, uh, 13 verse 17, it says this, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over y'all as those who must give an account. Two things from this quickly. Which Christian leaders is the writer of Hebrews telling us to submit to? Is it all Christian leaders around the world? Well, no, that doesn't seem to make sense. Is it all Christian leaders in the UK? No. Is it all Christian leaders in Leicester? Well, no. It's talking about the specific leaders of the specific church that you have committed to and who've committed to you. Church membership helps clarify whose leadership Paul, uh, God calls us to submit to. And on the flip side of that, which Christians, as we as elders at Avenue, are we going to give an account to God for one day? This verse tells us that as leaders, we're going to give an account to God for how we lead God's people. Am I, as an elder here, going to be called to account for every Christian I've ever met? I really hope not. <laughs> no, God is going to call us as elders to account for how we've overseen you, members of the local church that we're overseers of. Now, that can't even mean every Christian that comes through the door. As you can see around this morning, we get a lot of visitors. No, it's those people who've committed to this local church and who God has entrusted to us to lead. Membership helps leaders to know who it is they are responsible and accountable to God for. Or jumping back into Ephesians 4, it says we're to build one another up by speaking the truth in love. And then in Ephesians 5, in the context of addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, it says we do this as we submit to one another. So which Christians am I to invest my energy in, both building up and submitting to with my words? Is it all the Christians in the world or in the city? No, it's those Christians who've committed to regularly gathering together and committed to the unity that we have here in a local church. Membership helps clarify who our primary focus of encouragement is to be, other members of our local church. Or as Galatians 6.10 says it, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. I could go on, but in order for the church to do the things it's told to do, church membership is really important. And it's also vital in our gospel witness as a local church too. So Jesus says in John 13, 34 and 35, very famous verses, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is telling us there that the way the world will know that we really do follow him is how we as Christians love one another. And there is something incredible about the love that Christians have and show for Christians all around the world who they've never even met. As a powerful gospel witness, we see it happening in Acts 11 when the church in Antioch sends food and supplies to the church in Jerusalem when they're going through a famine. And it is vital that as churches we love and care for Christians around the world we've never met. But the main way 
that people in Clarendon Park are going to see that we really do love Jesus is by the way we love each other as Avenue Church. The main way people around us here in Clarendon Park are going to see that we really, really do actually genuinely love Jesus is by how we love each other as Avenue Church. We could spend all of our time loving other Christians around this city alone. Of course we could, but our priority of love has to be the people that we are united to in some way, and I tell through church membership. Again, Galatians 6, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So who are we to exert our day-to-day energy of loving and caring for? It's those people who have covenanted together in a local church family, and church membership clarifies who we are primarily to love for the sake of our gospel witness. So church membership is important because of what the church is and because of what the church is called to do. But finally, and probably just narrowing a bit of that point two down in application a little bit more, the third heading is that church membership is important because of what the church is like. Church membership is important because of what the church is like. I love old hymns. I grew up singing old hymns. Anybody else have the lovely um, uh, maroon Christian hymns hymn book? I grew up singing from that. I, I love the old hymns. And often when I'm chatting to people, those are the things that jump to me more than any modern songs that I've learned. Uh, Richard can tell, I quote them all the time to him. I think he does his head in. But one of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's a beautiful hymn. But one of the verses in this hymn is probably the reason why I like it the most. says this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And I love the honesty of that lyric. The writer knows that it is a shared experience of all Christians throughout all time. And I know that it isn't just me and the hymn writer, Robert Robinson, great name, who felt that way. And I know that because I've read the New Testament. (laughs) Every letter in the New Testament is written to a local church that needed some nudging or encouragement in one of two ways. And it's part of the reason we need church membership, because the two ways Christians and churches throughout history have been prone to struggle are these. We're prone to believe what isn't true, and we're prone to do what we shouldn't do. I equally like them because they rhyme. Prone to believe what isn't true, prone to do what we shouldn't do. So sticking in Ephesians, we see that in this letter alone. The church Paul writes to, living in a city called Ephesus, it seems that there's a few beliefs that they're struggling with. First of all, it seems that there are a few racial tensions existing in the church there, maybe between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Perhaps the Jewish Christians were saying they were better or holier than Gentile Christians because they came from a better starting place. We're not told explicitly, but we do read this, that Paul reminds them of the truth in correct teaching to make sure they didn't believe stuff that wasn't true. Even in the passage you read today, there's some kind of misunderstanding about what it means to be a local body and what that means for how they should love each other and who should be the strong ones and the good and the whatever. Paul's really keen to teach these people that being a local church is a big deal and important to them. So they're prone to believe what isn't true, but they're also prone to doing what they shouldn't do. It seems there's a fair few people in this church in Ephesus that aren't living the way Christians should live. 
So looking at chapter 4, Paul has got to tell people in that church to stop doing a load of stuff they were clearly doing to each other. So we can clearly infer that these things were happening in the church there at Ephesus. Verse 25, people were lying. Verse 26 and 27, people were allowing anger to fester and grow. Verse 28, some people seem to be making a living by stealing. Verse 29, people were speaking terribly to each other and putting each other down. And verse 31, people have been holding on to past bitterness, even anger, even having punch-ups, and they were slagging each other off all the time. And so Paul has to write to the whole church to encourage them to stop doing these two things they're prone to doing, to stop believing what isn't true, and to stop doing things they shouldn't do. And that seems it's always been the way. Read through any New Testament letter, that's what they're written to, is a church who's struggling in this way, either discouragement or disobedience. And so God gave local churches to help all of us fight against both of those risks. And as a result of membership, we can know which other Christians we are specifically, particularly, called to look out for. Those we're called to protect. Who it is we're called to fight alongside especially, and to help keep fighting in the face of opposition or temptation or discouragement or false teaching. Knowing who we're membered and united with means we know who we're to look out for and who's going to be looking out for us. So it helps us stop believing things that aren't true as we share with other members of a local church our questions and our doubts and our fears, and as we're taught by that local church through the preaching and the praying and the songs and the Bible studies. But it's also where we're helped to live the way Christians should live. As a church member, we get the privilege of sharing our struggles with other people where we're prone to failing and being tempted and letting Jesus down, and they get alongside you to help you fight in those areas you struggle with the most. Also, we submit to the local church's authority to lovingly, gently discipline us to keep us in line when we do things we shouldn't do and aren't repentant of that. Now, as I said at the start, I'm aware there may well be people here that have seen really harmful church discipline exercised in different places. And I'm sure that Avenue hasn't been perfect in the past in how we've done it either. There is always a risk of being too harsh or being too soft. But just because we've seen something done badly doesn't mean we should abandon something the Bible teaches clearly about. So Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians, and other places are clear that when someone behaves consistently in a way that doesn't show obedience and faith in Jesus and isn't repentant, a local church is, called to, repent, to, is to call them to repentance through loving acts of discipline. Discipline is an incredibly loving thing to do. We know that, like you see it with children all the time. It's not loving to just let your children do what they want when they want. It might be easier, but it's not loving. Disciplining our children is a loving way to train them in living as decent members of society and as our families. If we're too soft, we harm them long-term. If we're too harsh, we harm them long-term. But one thing we do know is to not discipline children is either lazy or harmful. Now, what that looks like is going to vary from child to child and parent to parent. But to be, as social services and people talk about, good enough parents, discipline is a loving act. Now, I think we're likely to do a distinctive sermon next year on church discipline. So if you've got questions about it, hold until then. Uh, or please come and speak to one of the elders about it. We'd love to. But in order for church discipline to be effective, there does need to be formal church membership. 
Ultimately, we believe that church membership is the best way that we can live out God's commands to us as Christians in this day and age. All church membership really is, is like an approval stamp from an embassy. So if I'm, if, let, let's imagine Lisa, think things go wrong in Nigeria somewhere, and Lisa needs to get some help. But she needs to prove she's British, that so she's entitled to certain help. So she takes the documents along to a British embassy there in Nigeria, and they look at all the documents, they check it all out, and they go, yep, you're British. She's one of us. So she has rights, and she has responsibilities that being a British person affords her. Well, the same is true of church membership. All it really is is like a local embassy of our future kingdom saying to us and to the world, this person's one of our kingdom. This person really is one of our kingdom. And then you get the rights and responsibilities of living in community with us to help us live that way, to give us a chance to help others live that way, and to help us keep going when we feel like giving up, and to submit to the loving discipline that we all need when we behave in ways that aren't kingdom ways. If, you're not, if you are a Christian here this morning and you're not a member of a local church, I want to ask why. Now, you might think you're too young. Listen, we don't have a policy on teenagers particularly at Avenue. Come and talk to us. We, let's make it difficult. <laughs> let's make it confusing. We want to think about this. If you are a Christian, you should be a member of a local church. I wholeheartedly believe that. So come and talk to us about that. Let's have these difficult conversations we might not have thought about. Because whether you call it church membership or not, it is all the way through the New Testament. And it is a beautiful gift from God to local churches and to individual believers. We at Avenue believe that church membership is important to help us live out what we are as a local church. We believe that church membership is important to help us live out what we are as a local gathered group of believers. And we need church membership in order to do the things that a local church is called to do in the New Testament. And we need church membership because of what we're like as Christians, prone to sin and doubt and fears and disobedience. I love church membership. I think it's a beautiful gift that God has given us. And I am so excited about the potential of seeing a church membership in Ayers-Monsel. Because then it will tell me that there is a local embassy of the future kingdom that exists there in Ayers-Monsel with a mission of reaching out and calling more people from Ayers-Monsel to come and be a part of it. But I also love it here at Avenue. It tells me that there is a local embassy of Jesus' future kingdom here, committed to loving Jesus, loving each other, helping each other follow Jesus, and calling others to come and join that future kingdom too. Can you be a Christian and not be a church member? Yes, of course you can. The thief on the cross never joined a church. He was never even baptized. But the Bible presents a beautiful picture of what church membership is and why it's vital for the Christian life. And we want to see that lived out here in Avenue Church today, not so that we can boast about our magnificent church membership, but so that we can point people to our magnificent Savior who has won us for himself and united us to him and to each other for eternity and as a result, call more people to come and know him for themselves. That's the goal of church membership, to glorify God here on earth. And we all want that, don't we? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the local church. We thank you for the way your word teaches us about it and the way that it shows us the beautiful unity that is now ours in Christ. Lord, we don't just want unity by being all the same. We want unity through you and through the forgiveness that your son has won for us. 
And we want to display that well to the world, Lord. We want to love each other well so that more people around us can come and love you too. Father, we all need your help and each other's help to keep going in this Christian life. We all need to help other people keep going in this Christian life as well. So we thank you for the local church. Thank you for the gift that it is. And we pray, Father, that whatever our views on church membership, however we may have been hurt in the past, Lord, that we would love the church we are a part of, that we'd be committed to it and to your kingdom mission. We're sorry, Lord, for the ways in which churches we've been a part of have let you down and not represented you well through how they've carried out church membership. But we pray that here at Avenue, we will glorify you and reflect the beautiful unity you've won for us through the way we are united with each other. So we pray that you glorify yourself through us as a local church, we ask. Amen.